Welcome to the Nehemiah Entrepreneurship Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Daguay. I am I'm good to be back. I've been away with my wife on our 25th, Jeff. We've had we I've, I've been celebrating my 25th year anniversary. And so uh, I took uh, my wife and I would t- took a week for Las Vegas. So a number of uh, uh, my my associate have been have been uh, hosting the podcast. So guys, good to be back. I'm here today with congratulations, by the way, Patrice. Thank you so much. I'm here with my good friend um, uh, Jeff Grubb, who is one of the trustees of the of the Murdoch Charitable Trust. Uh, Jeff is an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a bank executive, uh, retired executive from from uh, Wells Fargo, and uh, just a genuine nice guy. Uh, and so uh, lots of um, just lots of wealth of experience. Here's how I can describe Jeff. He's he's one of my favorite speakers because he's always well researched, to the point, and lots of substance. Lots of substance. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Well, with that introduction, I hope I can deliver today. But uh, <laughs> it is it is it is good to talk with you again. You always do. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff, we thought you know this is a giving season. Um, in biblical entrepreneurship, we have a module on titled Kingdom Philanthropy. Also, we have part of our devotional series. We also have uh, uh, have it as a devotional. So philanthropy is something very, um, a, a common language, if you will, that the Nehemiah audience are used to hearing in Kingdom Philanthropy particularly. So we thought we would have you, if an actual real life philanthropist in studio, <laughs> who's also Kingdom, to really talk about it, because those of us who teach on it, <laughs> teach based on research and and based on um, what we read, what we've experienced from people like yourself, beneficiaries, but we actually haven't had somebody who's an actual real life philanthropist um, to kind of talk about. So we're gonna use this podcast today, both as a educational resource for our friends who are listening and watching, but also we're gonna have our trainers and coaches use it uh, as, as a resource as well. So, uh, Jeff, first of all, you know, uh, the philanthropy is something that that it's commonly that term is tossed around a lot. But uh, as as one who's actually a practitioner, what would you what's your working definition of the word philanthropy? Yeah, I think you can define it in, in a few different ways. Probably one of the simplest ones is someone who is trying to uh, uh, help the good of others. Right. So uh, contribute to the common good. Um, and I think in philanthropy, generally you view it as having uh, a strategic element to it, uh, something that people are trying to accomplish through the, the philanthropy. Uh, and I would maybe distinguish it a little bit with another word that is also applicable, which would be charity. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I could take uh, an analogy, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe charity is um, uh, giving someone some food that doesn't have any food. Uh, and philanthropy would be uh, working with that individual in some way so that they could either become employed or other ways that they could, you know, earn their own food, right? So it, it's more strategic uh, than, than, than simply charity. Uh, usually when we think about philanthropy, we think about it in terms of um, uh, providing uh, money, money resources. Uh, and I think oftentimes you think about large money resources, certainly some of the larger foundations. Um, but I, 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 the other aspects of ourselves we can provide, and that would be our talent. Sometimes we can bring skills uh, to bear that other people need. Um, it uh, can be our influence. 
uh, where someone either needs to network to someone or there might be some influence that we can uh, uh, provide, uh, as well as just our just plain donation, right, of time. Um, to do things when you uh, when you so when you coach a soccer team, you're probably not thought, or is this a worldwide audience? So a football team, uh, you're probably not thought of as a philanthropist, but you are giving your time uh, in a way to help the good of others. In this case, oftentimes uh, uh, youth or, or or the team. I'm talking about a, a non-professional, obviously here. So I think that philanthropy is a very broad word. As I would uh, narrow it, though, let's let's narrow it in this discussion really down to that of, of, a, of an individual and organization who's trying to uh, contribute to the good of others, primarily through financial ways. And we can explore the others. If you so plain that many of us can find ourselves in that category. Oftentimes we think of philanthropists, most of us exclude ourselves because we don't give major gifts. Uh, but so let's speak to that a little bit. So in your definition, is that one that would include m many people who are acting out or do you still think uh, that the common thought of philanthropy being a, a Jeff a Jeff Grubb or a Murdoch Trust or whatever, these big guys, what, what do you say to that? Well, I think there, I think you have to kind of define this. I would say philanthropists are, uh, are are much broader, as I defined earlier, right, than, than, than the word often typically has, because it's people trying to contribute to the, to the common good. Um, now you can get down to that and, and use other terms like neighborly. If you take a, uh, uh, some baked cookies over to your neighbor, is that a philanthropist? Well, you're contributing to the common good, but really in a one-on-one -on -one sense. So I'd probably exclude those sorts of things, which are clearly uh, appropriate in our society uh, and, and get to large areas. But people that are donating time, talent, treasure, uh, network influence uh, to organizations. Uh, uh, and, and I would think more organizations maybe than, than simply individuals, not that you couldn't do that would be more of the things of uh, you think about as, as philanthropy and, and, and differentiate some of those others. But to your point, I think that all of us can be philanthropists. Um, now there are professional philanthropists and that's one of the jobs I have as a trustee where I am a, a trustee and, and that basically says, I oversee with my other two trustees, a trust um, that gives out you know, millions of dollars a year and its corpus is is, is uh, right now about $1.7 billion. So it's it's huge. That is done in much more of a professional fashion. Um, but as an individual, I make contributions, you make contributions. I'm sure most of your, your listeners would uh, would think about contributions they're making. Um, and we can kind of define that if it's, you know, from you as an individual, if it's from an entity like a foundation or a charitable trust, or if it's from a business, different ways to think about how you go about doing that. Um, but I would say that the, uh, many more of us should think of ourselves as philanthropists than probably do. Oh, I love it. Now, and I would, just, just to interrupt for a second, I would say I shy away from that title because philanthropist is someone else that's got a lot of money. And I think you really got to get down to, you know, philanthropist is, is me. If I, if I am in fact pursuing uh, the activities I was describing. Yeah. I like that. The other thing, Jeff, when we think of philanthropy, particularly as Christians, many times we think to think of a philanthropist as a non-Christian, you know, somebody secular. It used to be, you know, we don't, we tend as Christians not to embrace that term in the Christian vocabulary. So we came with this term kingdom philanthropist to, to kind of deal with that. But what do you say to that? As a philanthropist, I'm sure there's a community of you guys 
is it is it fair that that Christians tend to almost say, well, philanthropists are kind of self-serving, you know, it's about them versus a, a Christians who would be philanthropists? What do you say to that? Well, there, there certainly are individuals that perhaps they're giving are somewhat self-serving, um, and we still toying them as philanthropists. I, I frankly find that is rare. Um, I mean, we can come up with, with some examples. Um, I think most philanthropists are in it to help to help others, as I as I previously defined. Um, I think Christian philanthropy goes is 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 right along there with secular philanthropy, um, and we can kind of define that as we get further in, in the conversations. But uh, you know, as an individual, I contribute to some secular uh, institutions, and I more uh, give to uh, kingdom institutions. But if we're if, if the idea of kingdom is bringing God's kingdom to earth bringing what Jesus said, my kingdoms come, thy will be done on earth. Um, a, a lot of the elements of what Jesus was calling on there, looking after the needy, uh, looking after widows, orphans, uh, even prisoners, uh, other sorts of things that he called us to do. All of those fit into what Jesus wants us to do as his servants. Um, and to the extent that we are doing that for the good of others, that would be defined as, as philanthropy. So um, as a Christian and as one who's very intentional about their faith, um, what would you, and you probably have said it, but I want to be even more specific. Uh, how would you distinguish between one who identifies themselves a kingdom philanthropist, let's say Jeff Grubbs, versus just a secular guy who also considers himself philanthropist? Is there a distinction in your view? And what would that be? I, I think it's there is a dis, there's not a distinction in what you're doing. Both Both are trying to use the resources, and let's just mainly because most people think about it in monetary terms, use the resources for the common good. Um, I think the common good, though, for a king, for someone who's looking at Jesus' kingdom is going to be different. Um, you're going to be doing that in Jesus' name. You're going to be doing it as, as, as he would do it. You're going to be following the precepts. So I believe in that case, kingdom philanthropy uh, is done uh, in, another, in a different way. I think there's also an aspect of you know, how you view what what you do with philanthropy. Uh, there's certainly in our secular society, it's, uh, you know, you choose to do some philanthropy, some donations for the common good. Um, you know, Jesus calls us to a very different standard. And that is that everything we have been given is his. Mm. And so we are stewards of everything he's been given. So the question becomes not what should I give to charity? but rather perhaps what should I spend on myself? And then I use the other as a steward um, in a way that I can uh, impact God's kingdom in the best possible fashion. So as kingdom stewards, uh, a portion of that is kingdom philanthropy. It's not all of it because there's other aspects of stewardship, uh, whether it's for the business, whether it's for uh, the family, other things that, that God has called us to do. But some of, some of what God called us to do has nothing to do with our businesses ourselves. It has to do with his kingdom uh, and how we promote that uh, on earth. I love that. In a sense, you kind of raise the bar for us. You can, all that I have is the Lord's. And within that, he instructs me to use it a certain way. And part of that is this idea of philanthropy. It's not so much that the things that I use as a philanthropist is the Lord's. All of it is his. Oh, and that's just one way to direct it. I love that. And, and that does create the difference. Um, so from that vantage point, so 
want a couple of things. Edward Roberts is a great point. Thank you, Edward, for, for, for being here with us. A, a couple of things there. So, um, Jeff, so there's a, there's a sense that for many Christians in Scripture, you know, we hear Jesus said, you know, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like the needle, a camel going through the albinito. Suggestions that, oh, my God, if I'm rich, wealthy, philanthropist, we look then to be the rich and the wealthy, I'm not going to get the kingdom. So how do you, as one who, I mean, you steward a $1.7 billion, $1.5 billion foundation, you obviously yourself and others like you around you have quite significant amount of resources under your stewardship. How have you then navigated that scripture? You know, because it seems like the philanthropists that we admire tend to be those who do have resources. How do they avoid this this little this loophole that Jesus Christ brought up? Well, there's kind of two aspects of that. One is the uh, the money that I steward for the charitable trust, Murdoch Charitable Trust, is not mine. Right, that's not my wealth. That was wealth uh, developed by Jack Murdoch, uh, steward over the years quite effectively. And so my job with that money is to steward it in the way that Jack Murdoch, an individual, would. Now we make grants to faith-based organizations, but Jack made grants to non-faith-based organizations. So we're doing both as as stewards of the Mur Murdoch Trust. Um, in terms of my individual, my personal. Uh, uh, philanthropy, the, the things I do, then that that's that's what's on me. Um, and so one's kind of I'm employed to do it. It's a job. I'm a steward. Um, it's not mine. Another, I have uh, through my business career and others have, have, have developed resources. Those are the ones I'm called individually uh, to steward. Um, and so I, I I view those things as as different roles, different ways of going about doing things, different calls on one's life. The principles are often the same, um, but in terms of the verses that you're talking about, the one would apply to me because I I have been richly blessed financially, uh, and so I need to look at those verses very carefully and say, you know, how can I go about being uh, a good steward and be able to be, uh, you know, go through the camel through the the, the, the eye the needle um, in terms of doing this. And I believe the first step is to recognize whose it is, which it's God's. Um, and the second then is to say, okay, I then need to steward this money uh, for my various responsibilities. Um, and if I do that uh, well, uh, you know, seeking out God in prayer and others, then I, maybe I am a rich man who can, um, you know, still find the kingdom of God. I, I sure hope so. That's my goal. And, and Jeff, so those of us who may have not already attained that level, right? Where it's interesting, he, in that context, he defined rich, he was dealing more with treasure. You talk about time and talent as well. So let's assume that the talent is a little risk, that the, the, the time is a little risk, but the treasure is where the risk is. So those of us watching, I can say, okay, I wanna get to where Jeff is, um, but I, I wanna make sure as Jeff has done, avoid that. Jeff, how difficult or easy is it? Um, well, I, how difficult? I think it is difficult. Um, you know, the scriptures clearly lay that out. But I'd like to I'd like to caution us about how many people this applies to. My guess is, if you are on this call right now, you have a computer, you have the internet. Um, in terms of the world, 
you are easily in the top 50%. You very are in the top 20. Some of you are in the top 10 and some of you are in the top one. Um, so um, ha having traveled the world as you have, Patrice, I certainly know that. So I would suspect most people listening to this um, are in that category uh, of on a, on a relative basis. Now, we probably don't feel that. Um, you know, rich is someone who's richer than myself. <laughs> uh, but but when you look at it statistically, uh, we are, um, and and we need to be and we need to be stewards. Uh, so I think the first step is is recognizing whose whose money this is, whose resources it are. Uh, the second step is to say, okay, then what? How am I called to steward this? Um, and how do I take care of my family appropriately? How do I take care of um, the uh, uh, the others in my immediate circle that God has placed uh, here. It's one of the, one of the commands. Uh, how do I take care and, and support my local church? How do I support and, and, and I'm neighborly? How do I go about all those things that are in my right, right in my little community? And then as you, as you do that, then you start expanding out. How am I going to be able to uh, work in evangelism? How can I work in humanitarian efforts? How can I work in business efforts? Um, and there's not a, there's not a right or wrong on all these things. It's how do you do it? Do I put money into my business that is advancing God's kingdom and is employing people and is meeting needs of a bunch of people because those people wouldn't pay us money if, it, if we weren't meeting their needs. Uh, so what we're bringing to those people is worth more than the money they give to us. Should I be doing that? Should I be, you know, providing food and, and health care and, 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 and how, lodging and, and homes for my family? Should I be taking some money and should I be giving it away to others? You know, all of those, you're, you're helping someone else, maybe in your family, it's your own family. And I think that you need to, to look at that and uh, create a plan, create a plan about how you go about doing that. Uh, because it's not like putting money into a business is wrong. No, that's right. Putting money to the family is right. And giving money to some organization or other individuals is right. All of those are, are right. And I think we need to pray. And we have to remember how how Jesus looked at the, the widow that was putting the mite in the offering, uh, right? It's not the amount that we're talking about here that you have. It's how you're going about doing it versus the individuals that were putting a lot of money into the treasury, uh, but they were giving it out of their their excess where she gave everything she she could. And those lessons, those biblical lessons, uh, you know, some of the teaching in in uh, in First Timothy, um, others that I think we can we can learn from to be able to help us develop um, this very difficult pattern of how do I go about properly uh, stewarding what God has entrusted to me. Oh, uh, this is good stuff. I love it. Edward Robinson said, "Yeah, this honestly applies to most Americans." Talking about your point about uh, the threshold of wealth. Uh, we're talking to Jeff Grubb, the trustee for the Murdoch Trust, Murdoch Charitable Trust. The, the information is right there. Uh, Murdoch does provide grants to organizations like ours and, and others, but in the specifically in the Pacific Northwest, we're going to get into Murdoch in a few minutes. We're talking about kingdom philanthropy. Jeff is an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a, a retired banker, um, and, um, and, and of course, just a, a man who serves, uses time trade to serve uh, for the common good, uh, both Nehemiah Project and other organizations around the world. Jeff, um, besides your, your giving through Murdoch uh, for what, what we do in Nehemiah Project and other organizations, you also personally give to Nehemiah Project. 
Um, and you and the same to other organizations. I know World Vision is a is a, you're part of the World Vision board, and and you also give there as well. Well, my, my wife is a member of the World Vision board. Yeah, Sandy. Sandy's on the World Vision board, not me. I'm sorry. You said your wife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your wife. Okay, so so together. So let's first talk about Nehemiah. Of course, I'm a little biased here. And <laughs> thank you, first of all, uh, Jeff, for your gift to Nehemiah. So why do you uh, choose to give to Nehemiah? Well, Nehemiah would be an example of uh, an area where I, you know, I'm stewarding wealth. I'm saying, okay, where can it be done wisely? I believe Nehemiah is one of those organizations. It is bringing biblical entrepreneurship uh, to people around the world. Um, so it is, you know, when you think about uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is across all ethnicities, it's across all nations, it's across all peoples. That's where Nehemiah Project is is delivering, and it is specifically focused on biblical entrepreneurship. How are people able to run and manage their businesses and related to that, their lives, according to biblical principles? Um, and so when you put the biblical aspect of it, and the entrepreneurship aspect together, it's really to me a, uh, a double win. One, you're contributing to businesses that are going to be able to be helping people you know, develop wealth. In many cases, these foreign countries, it would be uh, having no wealth and, and developing some, they're employing individuals, they're creating an economy that is uplifting the common good of the folks that they're doing it. I absolutely believe that business is one of the ways that God is changing the world and has for centuries. Uh, and through business, we're serving others, uh, not just serving ourselves. Uh, and by doing that, the sorts of principles that Nehemiah does makes for better businesses, more uh, uh, ethical businesses, all the sorts of businesses we want that help the customers, help the employees, uh, and help the whole community. In addition, uh, one of the aspects that Nehemiah has is, okay, and if you have a, a profit from that business, what do you do with it? One of the things is to steward that profit towards other things that that individual can do uh, inside the community. And I know you, you, you teach that in what you do. For me to say, can I invest in an organization that helps entrepreneurs and helps them properly steward the wealth that's created through that entrepreneurship um, is just a, the type of organization that, that I, uh, I believe in that is advancing and bringing God's kingdom to earth right now. And so with that, let's talk about your personal journey to philanthropy and how you yourself make your personal decisions, Nehemiah and others. So Jeff, for many Americans, the idea of generosity was either nurtured in the church or by their families. Their, their parents, right? How did yours begin? And talk to us about your evolution to go from young Jeff teenager, young Jeff boy, to Jeff today, a, a, a trustee on the Murdoch Trust. Okay, uh, that's a long story. So I'll try to make it as succinct here. So as a boy, uh, uh, you know, my parents were um, uh, both raised in uh, in the depression. Uh, they were both uh, raised in uh, uh, in poverty. Um, certainly by today's terms. I mean, neither of them had inside uh, plumbing and, and, and my father uh, grew up in, in a cold area where he slept in a bunkhouse with no heat and used to say how they'd run into the house to get warm in the morning. So I, I come from very um, humble beginnings in terms of what they did. Now they went on, got very good educations and did very well. So I grew up in a, uh, a middle-class to upper middle-class setting. And I had parents that gave their all for their family. They gave their all for the community. Uh, my father was a very successful business person. My mother was very involved uh, locally, everything from 
uh, teaching Sunday school to you know serving on the election boards at, for votes and, and and different sorts of things. So I had that that idea that you 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 live in your community and you serve your community from the very beginning. Uh, I was brought up in the church, um, and you know we would have everything from a, a thing that it was I was brought up in Presbyterian church, so one great hour of sharing, and we would have. Uh, uh, little church boxes that were put on the table where we put some coins in it. So the idea of, of giving and, and, and giving to others came from my, uh, from, from my upbringing, not only uh, giving of, 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 of funds, but, but time, effort, other things to be able to do it. My parents were, uh, uh, were volunteering. We had many, many groups over to the house, all that sort of thing. So that's, that's the, um, that was where I kind of grew up with that. Uh, learn more about it in high school and college. I uh, committed my life to Christ at a very early age. Um, and so that developed uh, as I got out and started uh, working. I was then saying, okay, what am I going to do with my money? And I uh, started tithing um, and I uh, developed, uh, you know, with my wife uh, ways in which we would, we would do that. Um, but I have, but, but, but an important change in me came uh, actually somewhat recently, certainly over the last few years, um, I'd always kind of viewed the, the tithe and going beyond the tithe and giving was where I should be focusing. Um, and uh, I wish I had had what I'm about to tell you when I was in my 20s. I didn't. Um, I'm involved with a group uh, called Generous Giving. I'm on the board. It's one, another one of Murdoch's grantees. Uh, and I learned this through some folks uh, at Generous Giving um, and a book a couple of people wrote of God and Money. Uh, and the question I transition for is not how should I give my money, how much I should give, but how much should I keep? Wow. And everything else is is to be gone, gone, right? And so when you when you transition that and you say, what am I, what do I need to keep for my my family and myself and everything else I'm giving away? Uh, and how do I do that? I mean, it doesn't mean you're necessarily all giving it away tomorrow. Um, but how do I do that? I can, and then I can get into how I, I go about doing that, which it's a, it's a, uh, a planning activity. Um, I have some of my investments that are focused on impacting individuals and, and ministries. Uh, I, uh, certainly in terms of the way I invest my money, I try to invest, invest in other biblical principles and it's broadly, uh, diversified in terms of investments. Uh, and then when I look to my giving, uh, I think about that across uh, a portfolio, a portfolio that deals with evangelism, a portfolio that deals with uh, uh, people uh, in economic need, uh, a portfolio that's domestic and international. Um, and so these various organizations and and um, that I then look to, to to steward, I try to not only give money, but as I am today, I'm giving you some of my time. Um, in terms of, of trying to go about doing that. So I'm involved in, in mentoring and other sorts of ways in which I can be uh, use talents and skills and things that have been afforded me to be able to do it. Uh, but it is a planning activity. I do that in conjunction with my wife. Um, and we kind of plan out where and how much to give and, and uh, across those spectrum of, of, of bringing God's kingdom, you know, focusing on, you know, the, the poor, the widow, you know, I mean, you can go to Micah 6, 8, you know, um, you know, mercy, justice. Um, and now I've lost the, th the third of those. I apologize. I should have had it written down for this, um, you know, in terms of uh, walk humbly with your God, hum humility. Um, so is that that's a little smattering. I hope I, I hope I uh, summarize that. 
Jeff, that is so incredible. Jeff Colombo says, uh, how much do I keep? That That is just, so you kind of flipped it, right? I mean, that is awesome. It's interesting. So what I'm hearing from you, you know, nurtured by parents, church reinforced by church, coming into age yourself, and then having other peers by which you culture this philanthropy and going from tithe and beyond tithe to actually flipping it to what some call reverse tithing or just in, how much do I keep? Recognizing all of his gods, how much of that does he want me to use on myself? But the rest kind of goes to other things. But I'm also hearing you kind of approach your philanthropy like an investor. You you have a portfolio of the things you give to. You plan you, you plan it with your wife. So how important is the strategic aspect of philanthropy, and how important is it to have your mate along with you as you've as you've done on your side? Well, a couple of things. One, um, I think w w when you move from simply charity or donations or things we might do on our cell phone or or, or, or kind of reactive sorts of things to where you are are, are strategic about it, um, I, I think it moves more into that philanthropy area, right? Where you're where it's planned, it's uh, orchestrated. You're deciding how you do it, why you give, where you give. Uh, you're not reacting to the latest appeal or whatever, and you're and you're doing this in a very thoughtful uh, fashion. Um, that is also how Murdoch does, and I can describe that uh, and everything. But it's it's the um, it, it's that element. Now, doing it with your spouse, I think, has two two or three huge advantages. One, um, it is your, not my, it's our money, and so we need to think about it that way. Two, you bring some diversity of opinion, diversity of activity, diversity of a perspective and just your your spouses uh, to that. A uh, third, I find it can be very helpful when you're trying to figure out who or how much. Where you say, "Hey, I'm thinking about giving to now. What do you think we should do?" And if she comes back with the same figure that you were thinking about, that could be the Holy Spirit talking to you. If she comes up with a number much higher than what you thought you do, that could also be. But a point is, it, it gives you a balance of being able to do it. Conversely, if you're, if you're emotional and thinking about something, maybe she's gonna come back with a lower figure and vice versa when she's coming to me when we talk about things. And um, I think that allows you to um, you know, do this much more and have the Holy Spirit um, through your spouse um, interact into the, to the giving plan that you put together. I love it. And Jeff, I, I, my wife and I personally want to thank you. You've given me personally and us as the email project of your time, your talents and treasure. You've been instrumental in my personal life. I mean, it's almost like every, every time I meet with you, I walk away. You know, we charge for coaching. You coach me at no cost to me. I appreciate it. Don't you change. I appreciate it. <laughs> you give me strategic input. That has been uh, just game-changing for us. It always costs me a little bit of money after I leave you because I have to go do some hard stuff. <laughs> but what I appreciate is that you you bring me the best wisdom for the things that we're asking, we're trying to do. Uh, you know, and you do put your money where your mouth is, both personally and and uh, and the Murdoch Trust. So really, really appreciate it. And what's been, you talked about influence. I think for us, what's been most helpful, even more than your money or time, is your influence. Because in you adding your credibility to what we do, both speaking for us, endorsing us, it's, it's done a great deal because there are others who are encouraged to participate and who are even encouraged to extend, to, to uh, increase their participation because Jeff 
Grubs have endorsed it. Murdoch has endorsed it. So let's talk about it a little bit because I think many times we forget that part of it. I mean, in the giving world, the philanthropy world, how important is that? Because you guys think carefully before you add your name to something. And 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 that has been very helpful to us. Do you think more, do you think enough people take advantage of that aspect of philanthropy, the giving of the, the influence? So um yeah, and I see a question came up in the in the comments. We can get to in a minute as well. Um, the um, ask me that question again. I was a little yeah, distracted. The, the influence part, because uh, it's, it's because the things you endorse, whether you are Murdoch, lend your name to. Uh, there's the influence part that sends the signal to other people. Hey, this is credible, uh, and so number one, uh, how careful are you to doing that? And number two. Do enough people, I know we've benefited from that. Do enough people you think take advantage of that aspect of philanthropy, the influence part? Yeah, there's there's two parts of that influence I'd like to deal with. One is it it, it, it talks in the Bible, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. And, and a lot of folks say that every giving should be anonymous. Um, I certainly believe there's some types of giving that should be anonymous. Uh, for example, when I give to the church, I do it anonymously. Uh, no one other than the church treasurer would know what what money I'm giving or how I'm giving it. Um, uh, in a couple of capital campaigns that I've led, I might say I'm making a gift of this type, and but but I try not to even use the the number there. Um, and I think there's some appropriateness to that. But I believe that in other types of giving, letting people know that you're giving to an organization, in fact, does help them. It's an endorsement of the organization. Um, so I let my name, uh, Murdoch clearly lets its name, uh, be used uh, for most all of our of our giving, and 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 I think it's for exactly that element. So that's one part of influence where people can say, "Hey, here are some people that are supporting us. Would you like to come alongside them?" And they may go down the list and say, "Oh yeah, those folks have, are giving those. I know those people, and I'm more likely to look to do that. I believe it does help an organization." Um, the second part of of influence, I would say, is is individual networks. Um, and I don't know that, Patrice, we've done a little bit of this where I've helped you with, with networks, but a lot of times, I, in fact, I just networked someone to you where I thought they might be able to be helped by what you're doing, right? So that's an example of another Christian organization um, that I said, hey, would you mind spending a little time with them because I think they could learn some things of how you're doing things for, for what their ministry uh, was. And I think using our influence to uh, to network individuals together to bring people to do it. Murdoch does a lot of that in a lot of different ways that I could go on and describe. But individually, I use my personal network to put people together um, that and I don't uh, I, I do it very carefully. I always ask the individual like I did you. Do you mind me doing this? And then they usually say yes. Sometimes they say oh, I'm not comfortable. I don't have the time right now. That's fine. Uh, and then I put them together and that allows them to um you know, really be uh, another part of your influence is putting people together that need to get together to uh, advance their nonprofit, advance God's kingdom. Ah, I love it. Edward asked a question, uh, and I'm going to read his question, but I'm going to lead to a broader question and let you address both. So, so, Jeb, does your foundation give to churches in low-income communities or other types of organizations? I'm going to let you address that. But So let's talk about the trusts. So, um, so the, the Murdoch Trust or the foundation, um, uh, about over $1.5 billion on the management, but it, it didn't start out there. I mean, so let's talk a bit about the, the journey of the, of the trust, how it began, how it got to where it is, and the kind of things you guys support, Jeff. Sure. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll tell that story. Let me address that specific question because it's interesting. One, uh, one of the things Murdoch does not do is give directly to churches. So we do not give directly to churches. Uh, however, uh, in our community right now, there is a fund uh, that the National Christian Foundation has called the Northwest Relief Fund. Um, and that fund is specifically to help low-income churches. It was started during uh, COVID um, where some of the low-income churches maybe got most of their offerings on, on, a, on, a, on a weekend service and weren't having services, uh, didn't have all the electronics set up for online giving and such. Um, and so this fund was started there. Um, and uh, then it's been extended to some churches that have other issues, whether it be COVID, we've had some fires uh, around Oregon or other things. And so Murdoch has uh, contributed to that fund uh, to support uh, some of the, the, the low end uh, churches and low income uh, communities. In addition, we do a lot of other work uh, in those communities um, that to support the communities that in directly support uh, the churches. So uh, address that question. Let me give you the quick story of Murdoch. So Jack Murdoch was an entrepreneur. He uh, founded a company named Tektronics along with uh, Howard Ballum. Um, and was uh, Howard was more the technical side of that. Jack was probably more the business side of it. Uh, local, community involved, um, individual. Um, and he uh, died very untimely in a float plane accident in the Columbia River in 1971. Um, about oh, a year and a half before his death, he had redone his estate plan. Um, and in his estate plan, he had uh, no wife or children. He set up a charitable trust, uh, the M.J. Murdoch. So it's, it's uh, M.J. Is, it was Melvin uh, Jack Murdoch. So Jack was, 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 was what we, uh, how we refer to him. Uh, off his middle name. And um, his um, uh, trust was set up in, in 1975. So it took four years to go through all the probating and, and other things of his estate. The trust started in 1975. So we have just been uh, in business, if you will, for uh, 45 years. In setting it up, Jack picked, picked three close friends to be the trustee of that trust. And those were lifetime appointments. Um, and so we are now on our third, one second generation trustee and two third generation trustees. So in the entire 45 years, there's only been eight trustees of the Murdoch Charitable Trust. Um, and I was the first third generation trustee. I've been a trustee since 2010. The original trust had a little over $90 million entrusted to it. Um, and through some investment uh, acumen that's uh, been extraordinary, uh, I'm trying to continue it. Uh, but long before I came on, uh, that 90 million is now, uh, as you said, over 1.5 billion. And the trust has now given away more than 1.1 billion uh, in that uh, in that 45 year period. So it speaks to uh, solid, long term, effective investment management, uh, as well as uh, uh, generosity where we are now. And again, there's a, an inflation factor here, but we're now getting close to giving us last year, we probably uh, given away about 77 million. So we're getting very close to giving away what the original corpus was uh, 45 years ago. Uh, let me talk a little bit about what Murdoch does too, in terms of what, what the grants are. So Murdoch uh, is a trust that uh, focused, the original trustees focused on five states, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, uh, Alaska, and Montana. Um, so those are the five states principally that we grant into. 
Um, we grant to organizations in those five states and organizations outside that are doing something in those five states. We do a little bit of public policy work in addition to that because that national public policy would affect our five states. Um, most of our grants uh, are, uh, we're trying to find the best ideas in that five state area. So we have a very, very broad specter of what we do. It's, it's human services, education, scientific research, health, and arts and culture. So those are the, uh, the, the five areas that we grant across. Um, Nehemiah would fit in the human services uh, area of that. Um, and we do both uh, uh, secular organizations and faith-based. We do not discriminate against faith-based organizations and seem to be one of the fewer foundations that don't discriminate there. Um, so about 25% of our grants are faith-based, 75% uh, non-faith-based. Some of the non-faith-based are led by people of faith, but uh, they're not in their charter faith-based. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how we give. Uh, we give primarily strategic grants. We don't give much operating, just like we did with the grant to Nehemiah. It was a strategic grant for Nehemiah to grow, uh, you know, in this case, uh, your online platforms. Um, so we do that in capital, uh, equipment, um, and technology, uh, and people. So those are the ways in which I think our, our, the prior grant to Nehemiah was around a uh, staff addition. So that's, that, that's essentially how we do it across those, those various sectors. This last year, we did make an exception. Uh, because of COVID, we made about 17 million in COVID-related grants, uh, primarily to help people uh, that were at the forefront of that. So it was a lot of uh, food banks, um, uh, some local uh, community organizations, uh, health organizations. We also put some money into our scientific area. We're very close to some of the uh, research universities. Uh, and we made some grants there that allowed some of those researchers to start on some of the COVID research before some of the larger NIH and other grants showed up. And so it got them going right away uh, to be able to get going on that. So that was uh, what we did in addition. It was an exception. Um, so about 60 million in strategic grants this year and about 17 million in uh, uh, COVID related grants. And we'll continue some of those uh, into the new year as some organizations need to get back on their feet after what's happened when we kind of figure out when the whole country is getting back on its feet. Wow, I love it. Uh, Jeff, you guys made a decision not to back down. Some foundation reduced their giving, even paused their giving, but you guys doubled up. So what was the difference? Is it because you guys had more money than most organizations? Is it because of a strategic choice philosophy? Why did Murdoch double down and what impact have you seen with that in terms of your giving, your giving this year? Um, two or three reasons. One, uh, the capital markets have been extraordinary uh, the last several years since the uh, the Great Recession in 08, 09. Um, and so what we found that um, as we, and again, our people, we don't have a budget each year for grants. Um, the grants uh, come into us, the requests come in, uh, into our sectors. Uh, and it's not like we're going to, we, we budget, we're going to get this much here or that much there. We, we rely on what the grants came in. And as those grants came in, there was a couple of years that, that we actually uh, had the ability from what we did to put some money aside through be a rainy day fund. So as we went into this year, we had a little bit of a rainy day fund. It had about 15 million in it. And uh, in, a, in some donor advised funds was, was how we went about doing that. Um, and we were ready to use that. Um, we had a trustee retreat in early March and a fellow trustee, John Castle says, I think this is a time where where, where we need to do more. 
and let's figure out how to go about doing it. And that set our staff up on the, on the double work of continuing our existing programs while doing this. Um, and when the markets were kind of crashing in March, um, our view was we're going to give out a lot more than our normal granting this year, despite it. And we had set up the trust, one, to have a little bit of a rainy day fund, two, to have liquidity through both some, some lines and other ways to continue granting, even if uh, investments are down, uh, and three, to have still long-term confidence in um, our investment portfolio. So we continued our strategic grant making. Now, some organizations, obviously, when COVID hit, they delayed coming to us. So our May grant meeting in particular, we had uh, some withdrawn, uh, some delayed. Those came back in our August and November meeting. Our November meeting was the largest single meeting we ever had in terms of, of making grants. Um, and you know, some organizations though delayed said, hey, we got, we got to rethink things. Uh, this isn't the time to add to staff or whatever. Others um, you know, continued on and we, we leave that up to the organization to decide. Um, so it was, I think, a preparation to be ready for, we didn't know what it was gonna be, but to be ready for times like this, uh, the leadership of a fellow trustee, which uh, Jeff Penny and myself went, went along with enthusiastically to say, yes, let's get some money out. Let's figure out how to do it uh, and let's get it out quickly. Uh, right now when everyone needs it. And we, we did some of that. Um, and, we, um, and, and as it turned out, the capital markets recovered. <laughs> and so uh, you were actually in better shape than we were going into the year. Uh, but we didn't know that when we were making these decisions. Uh, let me give you a quick anecdote about one individual that told me uh, uh, he was shutting down. He runs runs a uh, uh, a, a nonprofit that uh, serves uh, the homeless community. And he said, "How are we gonna? How are we gonna do? We're gonna have to. We're not gonna be able to feed people in our in our facility anymore. How are we gonna do this? We're gonna have to do all takeout. How do we do it?" And um, he said that just that when he was going through that. Um, he was praying about it. And how do I get through this? And uh, that's when Murdoch called and gave him uh, one of these one-time grants. Um, he said that gave me the money to buy all the supplies I need to do the takeout. And he says, after that, other money came in and he's actually done fine throughout this because people saw the need and they supported the organization. Uh, but that's just an example of where that money was, was catalytic uh, in exactly the way we want it to be. Wow. That, that's incredible. You know, um, and that fellow trustee that Jeff talks about, John Castles, who's also a good friend, he, the one that came in with Jeff. And Jeff, your third trustee is also, what's what's his name? Jeff. Uh, uh, Jeff. Oh my goodness, just incredible. Jeff, you guys go beyond just money and influence. You also do a lot of education. I recently attended your annual leadership conference where you, you invite those of us who are, who, are uh, who you invest in to, oh my God, just so rich. I mean, Let's put it this way. Going forward, I will plan my schedule never to miss one of those again. I mean, that's just... so. Talk to us a bit about that. Why that's important in terms of educating, providing books, top and line speakers, and technical assistance to your grantees. Well, we view our role uh, as a foundation as interactive with the uh, nonprofits that we support. Um, we. We are, uh, and, that, and when I say we're trying to come up with the best ideas for those nonprofits. Um, and in this interactive role with them, we don't feel that the fruit grows on our trees, the fruit grows on their trees, uh, and we're here to support them. Uh, part of that support is financial. Um, and some of that support can even be times when we say no. Uh, it's not often, 
Um, but we've had many an organization come back and say the best thing Murdoch ever did for me was turn me down for a grant. Uh, because, <laughs> because, because you set us on the direction we needed to go. And if you'd given us the money, we weren't ready for it and it would not have been uh, stewarded well. Uh, and so as, as related to that, we have other programs. We've got uh, uh, a program on essentials of development, which helps organizations uh, do a better development in terms of fundraising activities. Uh, we bought some board governance. So we first started out on just faith-based organizations, and now we're going to expand it to some general organization in terms of board governance program. We've also funded other organizations around the country to use some of these same techniques for their board governance. Um, we've uh, developed a number of specific uh, women in leadership. You mentioned the Christian Leadership Conference you've had. We do a lot of convenings uh, in terms of bringing uh, people together. Um, and the you know, the goal is to really uh, speak into the nonprofits. Uh, in the arts area, we commissioned uh, a work to uh, help arts organizations uh, better determine what's going on in this pandemic. Uh, we've done, you know, various seminars on that specifically for the arts organizations. Um, and, you know, we're, we're starting up uh, some uh, leadership cohorts uh, uh, to get more uh, leaders of, of, of color like yourself uh into uh, into nonprofits as well so it's a really very diverse broad spectrum of where we're, we're investing dollars uh into the community in the scientific area we have a uh, program for high school teachers that allows them to work with uh, uh university level researchers to do lab-based research that we hope will bring back into their science classes um we also have startup grants for getting colleges, uh, new professors to start the research up. So it's a, it's a very broad area. It's, it's really in the scientific um, science-based sort of thing, which is where our benefactor came from. Uh, and it's in helping nonprofits get better at what they do. Uh, and then linking people together that might not otherwise know it to, uh, to be more effective. We limit all of these programs to no more than 10% of our, of our money. So each year we're gonna be putting uh, 90% uh, or so in the grants. Uh, but temperance. Oh, I forgot another one. Uh, we, we have an intern program where we help organizations called Vision and Call, young, getting young people into uh, Christian non-Christian uh, uh, faith-based organizations uh, as, as interns. So a lot of things that we do, but we limit that because we want most of the money we do to be interactive with the community that we're serving, the five states. Wow, that is rich. If you want more information about the Murdoch Trust, you can visit their website at murdochtrust.org, murdochtrust.org. There you can find out about their qualification, whether you fit the profile, and whether you are in the region where they would serve. Uh, you have to begin with a letter of inquiry, and that's the first step you can get there from their website. We were denied the first time, and that was good for us because it helped us recalibrate. And then even after yeah, the second time, we had to wait a very long time to get for the third grant uh, because of, of we had to figure some things out past that because we lost that particular person. So the Murdoch approached philanthropy like a venture capitalist organization, to be honest, but which helps you get your muscles together and get you tightened. Jeff, we almost come close to our, an end of our time here, but I, I do have a couple of more questions to ask, if you don't mind. Um, the, um, the you, you're welcome, Ed. You're welcome. The, 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 so, Jeff, when you think of philanthropy, who do you admire most in the area of philanthropy and why? You know, I, I would say I split this into two categories, and it kind of goes a little bit um, the, way that, um, the way that Jesus talked about it. 
Um, and I can't name a person, but there are countless people who with their, their money, their time and their resources are constantly, constantly serving others. Um, you know, when you think about the church, there's always someone's always showing up, always there. Um, you know, and, and they may not have a lot of financial resources, but they're providing them. Um, and they're, and they're just contributing their time, their, 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 uh, their talents, um, and their money. Uh, many of these people you wouldn't even say are influential because, you know, they're, they're, they're the person that's in the back. That's not up front that gets all the praise. Maybe they're the, the sound tech in the back that showed up, <laughs> you know, early and stays late and make sure everything goes well. Um, and I, when I look at them, I go, wow, they are, they are serving God's kingdom. Um, and like the, like the widow with the might, they're not getting any praise for it. So that's a category of folks that I have enormous, uh, respect for. Uh, the other, the other, I think, um, is I've, uh, I've been introduced some personally and some, uh, in other ways through generous giving, uh, to some folks that have made some decisions very early in their lives to live a very different life than what they they could um and uh, uh you know and and essentially put their whole business you know to god some have done it actually in some trust structures uh some of them have uh, um you know gone into prisons to uh employ uh, workers there um, that is, that's changed the prison system because of how they've gone about doing it. They are, they are exactly what the servants would be. And you're, you're probably not going to see them on the cover of the New York times or the Washington post. Um, but these are, these are God servants that just, uh, they humble me, they challenge me, uh, and they, uh, make me better people when I see what they've, what, what they've done. Um, uh, and when I've been able to, uh, to meet these people, you know, they show up on video and of course they look great on video. That's the way they do things. But when you meet them in person, they're just genuine, warm, loving people that want to change the world. Um, so that would be the two groups. Um, and one clearly have been financially blessed. The other not as blessed, but both are blessing their community. They are really supporting their, their the, the common good of man uh, as they can. And I think as Jesus would. Wow, well said. With that, Jeff, uh, my second to last question, um, America, you, you and I talked one time about what makes America great and giving how there's this other branch called the philanthropist, the, the foundation, the, the, the who impact our culture. Let's talk because our, our listeners are from around the world. You've been to Africa and so you, you do a lot of investment around the world and you know the unfortunate reality that philanthropy is not something that's as rich in other parts of as, as it is in America. So my, my question to you, particularly for our, for our non-Americans and also for the Americans so that we might know what makes us great. How do you think philanthropy has impacted the American culture? Why is this important for the well-being of our nation as others are watching and listening as to what's possible in their countries? Well, it's kind of uh, a couple of aspects. One, it is deep culturally. Um, Americans voluntarily give more than uh, any other group of, of uh, citizens in the world um, to, uh, to charity. Um, volunteering is also a, uh, a culture uh, in the United States. Uh, and this goes back for, you know, 
many, many years about the way the country was being built that uh, would take longer than we have left to do here. Um, and I think that there's a uh, there's something that philanthropy does, though, that if you only have business and you only have government and government basically taxes the businesses to run uh, what they are doing. And you absolutely need that. And the businesses are out there looking for commercially viable things. You're, you're missing a segment of society that we have in the United States where people can take risks. And one of the things that people don't, I don't think recognize enough is the great value of individual philanthropists making individual contributions to individual organizations uh, that are trying to solve some of society's problems. Um, these cannot be solved commercially. Nehemiah, uh, while you have a, a revenue stream, you, you're not supported by all your revenue. You need some philanthropy um, as an example. Um, nor is it going to be done by the government because government's going to come in and say, hey, there's one way of doing it. We need to do it this way, which is what they do. You don't want 15 different ways of roads, right? Or or different uh, bridge widths. <laughs> you, need, you need some things that are that are that are that are done properly by government. But there's a whole segment of society's issues that you need individuals trying to figure out, whether it be in education or whether it be in human services or whether it be in scientific research, that these can be done. Um, and I think that's where the philanthropist is able to take a risk. Murdoch, we can make a grant and it can fail. It can be poor, poor money spent. And that's fine. We're going to be fine. We can take those risks and we need to take those risks because taking those risks on developing organizations and you've been established for a long time, but even developing as, as you want to be developed much bigger, that's how we're going to be able to support the next great things in our society. Um, and I think that's something that's very American in terms of being entrepreneurial in the nonprofit area, but it's very important for our society. Even when you look at this COVID vaccine, right? If the government had done it, if they'd not gone out, and this was mainly to, to, to for-profit companies and tried a bunch of them, we'd only have one. Now we've got two of them that have already been approved and many others on the way that may be better. Some of them might be better. One obviously has to be very cold. The other one doesn't have to. I mean, that's what you have when you have multiple people doing it. And when you think about that was the COVID, okay, and universities were behind a lot of that research as well. It's the same thing when you deal with other societal problems. We need lots of different ways of solving them. Some can be solved in the marketplace. Some not, and those that can't be solved in the marketplace, that's where philanthropy comes. And that's where strategic philanthropy is so important to support those organizations that are going to be changing our world. Wow. So the, the thought that came through my mind as you were sharing is it's another, it's almost another stack of entrepreneurialism mm -hmm. that except allows for greater risk because the return is not so much on capital, but the return is on impact and human flourishing. Was that, was that the case? Very much. And I think that's where it, it absolutely affects our culture. And it allows organizations to take risks and do things that you wouldn't be able to do if, if the only way you were going to do it is business and government. Wow, that's rich. If, I don't know about you guys, but I, again, that's why he's one of my favorite guests, whether he's speaking for us or and Jeff, we're going to have to have you come back again because you're you, you're professor. Have you ever thought about teaching <laughs> in an academic setting? Because you bring such practical wisdom in such a concise manner. It's so rich. Uh, Jeff, last question for you. There are many listening. Uh, this is the week of Christmas as we do this recording here. And uh, the time where people want to be generous and, and they may be inspired by your talk and say, look, you know what? You know, I want to be more of a philanthropist as Jeff talked about. I want to focus not on, um, I want to focus on what I can hold on to and give the rest away, right? That 
that reverse thinking you talked about. What 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 would you say to them? How did how did it begin? There are many of them entrepreneurs because that's our audience. So give us advice. Where did it begin? How did it go about becoming like Jeff and the many others you sh whose story you shared earlier? Yeah, I would I would uh, become more like the people the stories I shared as opposed to me. <laughs> I'm still in process for sure. Um, so I would say the first the first thing is 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 look at your budget, right? And if you've been if you've been consuming 100% of it, start start figuring out. Okay, I'm not going to consume 100% next year. What do I really need to keep? And then that's going to give you a certain amount. And then you've got to say, okay, then how do I want to invest what's uh, what's what's left and uh, um, for God's kingdom? Um, and I I would start first with what your passions are. Um, you know, figure out what God has put on your heart. Um, you know, for some people, it might be a food bank. For some, someone else, it might be uh, water in Africa. For another person, it might be uh, education. For another, it might be uh, entrepreneurship. I mean, what put put you know what, what did God put? What is God putting on your heart? Pray about it, and then come up. And the the, the key thing is to start doing something. Um, you know, if you're in business, you're going to be generating income every year. You're going to be doing something more. So just do something. Take whatever you've chosen to give, as I just described, and do it. Put it out there. If you're wrong, you're wrong. It's okay, right? Uh, but pick those organizations, do it. Don't spend a lot of time uh, trying to do everything because God will put them to things, and then gradually you'll be able to, to grow and develop. Now, there's a lot of books out there written, resources to actually, uh, uh, you know, check out organizations. You know, you've got uh, websites, you've got things like Charity Navigator, uh, you've got different sorts of uh, organizations you can look to. Uh, you know, if you want to do more research, there's things called a 990 to look more in depth at the organization. Uh, and then I would also, you know, I found the best way to get involved with something is to give your time or your money. And when you do, that's where your interests are going to go and that's where you're going to be able to do it. And and giving those two things, um, I think, will, uh, will lead you down a path. And then at some periodic, it might be every year, might be every couple of years, look back and say, hey, what do we give to? What, do we, what, what, what was what was done well there? What wasn't so done and improve? And then, you know, uh, develop that. Now, I've got a more uh, developed plan, um, but I'm still opportunistic in terms of how I do it and how the organizations I support and, and, and what I do. So, um, you know, over time, I think a, uh, a little bit more of a written plan where you actually are doing this just like a business plan. It's a philanthropy plan. Um, it absolutely makes some sense in terms of how am I funding it? What are the funding levels? What are the organizations? What sectors? How do I evaluate it? And maybe some of you are going to have uh, so much resources uh, that you need to think about forming a foundation or forming a charitable trust like Jack Murdoch, where you're actually going to hire some people to be able to give some of the money away. Um, and that's that's not a level that I'm to yet, um, but uh, that's certainly something that uh, many people might want to consider doing. Wow, that's rich. And, and Jeff, I do have one last question. I'm sorry. Let me do a wrap up because you, 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 you responded to anything from questions. But guys, listen, I've been blessed. I'm not sure about you. I know you have as well. So if you want to know about Murdoch Trust, uh, you can go to murdochtrust.org, murdochtrust.org. You can learn about Jeff and that organization and, and whether or not you might fit some of the fun that they do. We're going to have Jeff come back. Um, but if you want to know more about the Nehemiah Project, to learn about our training program, our coaching program, and our Access Capital program, or how to become a member so that you might join this community of entrepreneurs that, that's growing in Asia, Africa, Europe, Latin America, or North America, visit us at nehemiahecommunity.com. 
uh, NehemiahEquity.com. There you can learn about our various programs. And by the way, this is the our last year as we are having our end of end of year campaign. Thank you so much for all of you guys who gave those our end of year campaign, uh, sponsored a job, sponsored an entrepreneur. If you want to um, consider us as part of your giving this year, beginning your philanthropy your philanthropy journey today, uh, visit us at NehemiahEquity.org or .com, sorry, where you can uh, just click the donate button. And there you can sponsor a job, sponsor a business, pick the area you want to give to, however you want to do it, so that you might begin your journey today and support us in creating jobs around the world. Uh, Jeff, one question that came to mind, once people are watching and listening, why do, what do people like Jeff get out of all of this? You know, So the question, Jeff, as we close here is, what's in it for you? So what benefit does a philanthropist get for doing all of this? You know, there's many ways in which we spend money um, to, and I do, to provide us uh, great experiences, right? Uh, I like to ski. I like to hike. I like to get out in nature. I like to uh, uh, sometimes have a dinner. Um, and we, we use our funds to provide us uh, experiences. Uh, well, I think one of the experiences that you can have is, is, is through philanthropy um, that, will, um, that will have a you know, a, a really uh, incredible, uh, incredible impact on you. Uh, and you never know exactly what it's going to do. And I didn't plan to do this, but I am going to read you just a little note that gives you uh, an idea of a little backdrop. So uh, as, as we mentioned, I've been involved with World Vision and I would spent uh, many, um, many times going to Rwanda. I was on the board over there of uh, Vision Fund Rwanda. Um, and over the course of going to Rwanda, uh, and I've been going there for about 20 years, um, I uh, met a young lady. Uh, and at first through World Vision, I helped kind of support her. Uh, and since then, I'm, I, God put on my heart to um, have her and, a, and another family of orphans um, be part of, uh, you know, the, the, to treat them like, like kids. Uh, she wrote me this note just before, um, uh, before uh, Christmas. And in um, part of it, she says, uh, uh, I wish Sandy and, uh, excuse me, she says, uh, uh, on this date, and it was back in 1998, my mom died. It's a special day in my life because my hard responsibility started. I realized how hard life was and what would be without you in, in my life. I had no hope, but you came in my life with love, care, and help. Thank you so much for being there for me. I'm writing this message with joyful tears. I always dreamed to come to the U.S. not only to visit, but for a conference and tell the world where I came from and what you did for me, and where you took me from. You, a note like that um, that just warms your heart—it's um, indescribable. And and so you say, what do you get out of it? You get out of it something that you're never going to expect of where. In that particular case, that young lady and, and her family that we've helped support, um, she, you know, and at the end of it, she, she says, she says, love, you know, she, she, she views me as her dad, right? Um, uh, the note finishes up, uh, I really love you and promise to help others as you help me, your daughter, um, Nicole. That you, that's indescribable. Right. So what do you get out of it? 
it, it's like most things in life. That's what Jesus kind of did. It's the upside down way of this world. The more we give, the more we get. And it may not be in financial terms and everything, but it's experiences that are indescribable, um, that are unbelievable. Um, that uh, uh, now a 30-year-old young woman in, um, in Africa views me as her father and I view her as my daughter um, through an experience. So maybe that's a little anecdote, quite personal, <laughs> to, not, to not plan on sharing it, but um, um, I, I think that's the answer. What do you get out of it? What, what, I don't know anyone, uh, a great quote from someone was, I've never met anyone who is who has taken the path down philanthropy chosen to give more that chooses to go back because the rewards are significant and substantial. Just like you probably know, there's very few people that, that take off and volunteer and say, yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> a lot of times we may have spent some money on some things and we say that was a mistake, but not when we give of ourselves to others. Wow. That was rich. On that note, Jeff, thank you for modeling this. Thank you for sharing with us today. And thank you for being a friend to the EMI project and to Gina and myself. Just greet Sandy for us. Merry Christmas, my friend. Yes, Merry Christmas to you and everyone who is viewing this podcast. Thank you. And for those who are watching and listening, Merry Christmas to you. Listen, you too can be a Jeff Krebs. I want to pray for you guys and, uh, and just wish you the merriest of Christmas ever. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do thank you for those who are watching and listening. We thank you, God, for the heart of generosity that you place in each of us as human beings. It is our prayer that as Jeff pointed out, God, that as we do this, as we walk out generosity, that the joy that he feels as he read that letter, that all of us would experience it. Lord, you modeled this because you first gave your only begotten son, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus throughout the nation and out of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jeff, thank you so much. Love you guys again. Merry Christmas and Happy right. New Year.